Well, if you want a, a title, it's uh, When Religion is Bad. When Religion is Bad. You know, I, some, uh, I think it was one of our workers, we were talking, and he, he made the comment. He said, you know, I think all religion is good. I think all churches are good. And I, I didn't quite agree with that. But let's, let's, let's suppose that that statement was absolutely true. All religion is good. All churches are good. When I talk about when religion is bad, I'm talking about it's people that can make religion bad. It's what we do with religion. It's how we view it, how we use it. That's what makes it bad, religion bad. You know, you can think of the crusades. You can think of people killing other people in the name of, of Jesus or whatever. I mean, that's, that's bad religion right there when, when you do crazy things like that. So... Uh, don't misunderstand me here. When religion is bad, um, I'm talking about it's, it's the people that can make it bad. So I want to give you a list of areas when religion is bad. And obviously, if, if religion is bad, if, if people are making it bad, it's not really doing you any, any good. It's an act in futility when we do this. Now, the first one would be when religion is bad is a simple one. One that I think we can all relate to, and that's false doctrine. False doctrine. That's when religion is bad. If you believe in false doctrine, your religion is not going to have a positive effect on your life. Now, again, a person may be deeply religious and deeply, maybe even spiritual, go to church a lot, whatever. But if it's false doctrine, that's, it's, it's not going to have the positive effect that Christianity was supposed to have on an individual's life. So this is one of the areas when religion is bad. Familiar verse, Matthew 7 and verse 21. Jesus said, Matthew 7 and verse 21, if we want a definition of false doctrine, right here it would be, Matthew 7 and verse 21, Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the, does the will of my Father which is in heaven. So uh, you could say false doctrine is simply found in not knowing what God's will is. Okay, what is false doctrine? Well, it really revolves around uh, knowing, or in, in this case, not knowing what God's will is. Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father, which is in heaven. So it's about doing God's will. And obviously, as we look to the Bible, there's much the Bible has to say about God's will. And you might, a very simplistic approach would be, it starts with the Ten Commandments. Okay, if we start with God's will, where would we start? Well, let's start with the Ten Commandments. And let's not forget about the Fourth Commandment. And, of course, you know, that's one that often people have a time with. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name and in your name cast out devils? This is Matthew 7 and verse 22. And in your name done many wonderful works. Then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. And the word iniquity, it just, it just means lawlessness. It's uh, what I would call a lawless theology, a no-law theology. Another verse, another translation of Mark, Matthew 7 and verse 23 I, like, I forget what translation, it, I didn't write down what translation, but anyway. But it says, but I will reply 
I never knew, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's law. Now think about that. How, how could you have churches that dot the landscape up and down, you know, across the U.S., and how could you have people that, that are, are deeply religious, but they break God's law? I mean, it's almost a conundrum. How, how, could you ha how could you go to church and not hear more about this? Uh, well, think about this. How can you keep a law of God that, you're, that a church or a minister has convinced you has been done away with? How can you keep it? If, if you're convinced, if, you're, if a church, and I'm not saying we do this, but thankfully we don't do this, <laughs> but if your church, your minister has convinced you it's been done away, it's been fulfilled, it's been nailed to the cross, how do you keep a law once you believe that? Well, it's somewhat impossible. Somewhat impossible. So, if a person believes in a false doctrine, that's when religion is, is, is bad. Look at Proverbs 28 and verse 9. Proverbs 28 and verse 9. And I wonder sometimes if this does not apply to the healing or lack of healing of our nation, America, the slope that we are going down, you know, downhill fast. Proverbs 28 and verse 9, He that turns away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be an abomination. You know? you got a lot of people praying, I imagine, for America right now. But this scripture says his prayer is going to be an abomination if he's turned his heart away from the law of God. And again, I come back to churches that have convinced people every week that the law is really not that important. Uh, now, if we look at this in a personal level, okay. He that turns away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer, shall be an abomination. Your prayers are not going to be heard. Your prayers are going to be despised, let's say. Uh, so we need to apply this to our own life, personal areas of our life. Do we hear God's law? Do we do God's law? Do we keep God's law? Is there an area that we're struggling with? Could be an area, a secret area. Could be anger. Could be, could be a lot of things that we don't share or maybe don't tell each other. But we need to apply this to ourselves here. So, when religion is bad, second point. First point was, if we are falling, or if a person is falling for false doctrine, hook, line, and sinker, that's when religion is bad. Okay, second one. Second one, when, re when religion is bad, it's what I call the quick fix magic wand approach toward God. And this one, Actually, it was a, a friend of mine that was going through issues in his life. Uh, he'd gotten himself in trouble, maybe too much alcohol, too much of this, too much of that. And, and he just really had, had messed his life up. And I, I, I made a comment. I said, well, you know, what worked for me was baptism, surrender to God, doing what God, you know, that was the first step. And he was actually baptized. I baptized the guy. And, but, but the problem was, I think, he was looking, not anything really changed in his life because he was looking for the quick fix, the magic wand approach. Where, okay, if I do this, boom, everything's perfect. And he went through the, the motion, but nothing really changed on the inside. Because, and I think 
a lot of people, a lot of people, believe me, are looking for that quick fix, magic wand approach. In fact, I, the uh, chiropractor I go to hands out religious material, and I appreciate that. I mean, I think it's good that they try to work into their business a, a, a you know, uh, religion. But it was something I just irked me right here, and I may give a message on it later. But it's in, it's, it was entitled, Any Other Gospel is No Gospel at All. And I'm not going to read it all to you. I'll read it in another message. Next sermon, maybe. But it, it said, It, the gospel, needs nothing else. All the gospel needs is to be accepted, not added to. And he was talking about how that people, when they... They think they got to add something to it. And, and I looked at this and I said, well, wait a minute. It's not just a gospel of acceptance. It's a God, you know, men and brethren, what shall we do? We had to repent, you know. Uh, if you love me, keep my commandments. It's not just acceptance plus nothing. It's not just I accept you, Jesus, and that, that's it. But what I'm saying is I think a lot of people want to hear that, want to believe that. That all I've got, it's a quick fix, magic wand approach. I don't want to hear anything about, I sure don't want to hear about law keeping, what I got to do or anything like that, or repentance of sin or turning from my sin. I don't want to hear about that. It's, 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 the, it's acceptance, as this little article said, plus nothing. Yeah, people like to hear that. Acceptance plus nothing. That's the true gospel according to this paper. I disagree. It's not the true gospel. It's a false gospel. It's a little bit more to it than that. Um, so what my friend didn't realize is this, 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 16. He was looking for the magic wand approach, quick fix. 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 16, For which cause we faint not, but though the outward man perishes, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. It's a process. Conversion is a process. And I, I don't know. I think we ought to, in counseling, if, if, you know, if you had a new person, at least I've learned this from hindsight 2020, if you have a new person wanting to be baptized, they need to be counseled in understanding that when you accept Christ, you enter into the salvation room process. It's a process by which God starts to chip off and convert you. It's a lifetime process. And it's not a quick fix. It's not a magic wand. It's a lifelong process, and it can be painful. It can hurt. And sometimes it's not enjoyable. Oh, there's joy with, you know, truth and salvation and all that, but some of the things that God has to do to us may not be enjoyable. So what does a lot of churches teach? Well, they teach the quick fix magic wand approach. They teach... Acceptance plus nothing. Don't add anything to that acceptance of, your, of Christ. Or else that's what works, I guess. What Jesus said in Mark 8 and verse 34, Mark 8 and verse 34, and Jesus said this, And when he had called the people unto him, with his disciples also, he said to them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself. So there's something I must deny. Okay? There's something I got to deny about self. What might that be? 
to be a lot of things. Lust, lust of the flesh, sins, you know, I got to deny myself and take up a cross. So there's a cross I got to carry. I got to deny myself, take up the cross and follow me. So, when religion can be bad is when you think it's a quick fix magic wand approach. Acceptance plus nothing, let's say. Third, when religion can be bad is what I'm going to call compensation. When one area of your life is lacking, overachieving in another area to make up for the void. And when I talk about overachieving, I'm talking about overachieving in the area of being super religious. Now, I've, I've seen this a lot in people uh, who have, they compensate it, you know. I, I think I might have told the story about a guy that was cheating on his wife, but he was the most super religious person. If you ever met him, he just, he would witness to you. He was going on missionary trips. He'd just talk about how much he loved Jesus. Okay, that's, that's compensation. He got all this religious activity trying to make up for the, vo the lack in his life, uh, overachieving in areas, being deeply re religious to make up for his infidelity, let's say. I, I think men can get into the ministry for this very reason, uh, compensation. And, I, I mean, I, I've seen people who were, people whose lives were a total wreck, uh, dysfunctional, chaotic, screwed up big time who were deeply religious, just, just couldn't get enough of religion, couldn't get enough of church. It can be compensation. Uh, in fact, the more messed up a person's life may be, the more they compensate with religion. That can be a true statement there. The more they compensate with trying to be super spiritual. Uh, and the way compensation works is instead of fixing me, Instead of acknowledging, acknowledging my sins, instead of me repenting, I get more religious. I get more spiritual. I try to. I talk about Jesus all the time. Just compensation, whatever. Uh, so we want to avoid that. Now the answer for those who like to compensate is to fix you. Fix your, We're the problem. We look in the mirror and we're saying, wait a minute. Forget compensation. I am the problem. I'm the thing that's got to be fixed. And that comes through God's grace and something I'll touch on at the end of this message, how to do that. Uh, what we've got to admit. 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 9 tells us about a group of people who's not going to be in the kingdom of God. 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 9. Know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of God. Uh, this verse basically says the issue is to fix you, to fix the issue, to fix whatever it may be, the anger, the lust, or the flesh. That's where we, that's where we focus on. Uh, so, because this is a powerful scripture. No matter how spiritual a person may think he is, if you do these things, you're not going to be in the kingdom of God. 
When religion is bad, next one, the hypocrite. That's when it's bad. We all know one. <laughs> Might have been one ourselves from time to time. <laughs> and why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? That, okay, that's a perfect illustration of a hypocrite, let's say. Uh, uh, don't do the things I say. When religion is bad, or can be bad, when people make religion bad, there, there are all kinds of wrong motives, I think, out there for getting religious. Uh, just the concept of I'm going to get myself saved can be, you know, just, uh, okay, I'm going to wait till I'm uh, end of my life and I'm going to get myself saved. That can be, you know, you have to question that motive because the book is about a, a, a book of morality, doing what God's will. It's a, it's a book about building godly character. And that's a process that takes time. It's not something that you wait to the end of your life right before you kick the bucket and you say, okay, I'm going to get myself saved. You know, there has to be a, a conversion process that we all should be after. Um, now, I want to conclude with when religion is good. I want to give you a definition when religion is good. When religion is great. It's found, we're going to conclude with this, Psalms 51 in verse 1. When religion is good. This is what we want to practice. This is what we want to look at. This is, it's a, it's a way that we need to be. Psalms 51 and verse 1. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness. According to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight, that you may be justified when you speak and be clear when you judge. Behold, I was shaped in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts. Notice that, truth in the inward parts. Um, not necessarily more religious activity, but truth in the inward parts. And in the hidden parts, you shall make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear the joy and gladness that the bones which you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation." And uphold me with your free spirit. Powerful concept. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. I want you to think about it. When, when was the last time you said a prayer like this? When was the last time? You know, there's a word that God is looking for within a, with all of us in this room. It's, it's um, brokenness. To come before God in, in a broken spirit. This is what God loves to see from it. And often we think of brokenness, we think of, okay, I was, did that when I was baptized. But I'm convinced, you know, when we're baptized, we're extremely carnal and just getting on, on the, just getting started, really. And brokenness is something that we have to experience throughout our conversion. And it's steps to getting closer and closer to God, but to admit 
You know, I am broken. So I want you to think about that. When was the last time we admitted this? And it's part of, it's not just something that you do just, do just one time when, when God called you and when you were baptized, that, that coming to this point of brokenness. And I think that's what this psalm is all about. David had to come to it after he had sinned. And I think it was not just, you know, a one-time thing, that this is something that we all have to experience. It's not a pleasant thing, you know. But the good thing about brokenness is that there's always a light at the end of the tunnel. It may be tough. It's a tough prayer to pray. God, you know, break me, make me, mold me, shape me. It's a tough prayer to pray. But there's light at the end of the tunnel. That's the good news. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. So Psalms, this Psalms 51 is when religion is sweet to God. 